Last week, we looked at religious hypocrisy and how it hardens the heart, how it prevents people from <clears throat> coming to God and how it infects the whole community with so many things, including bitterness. Jesus came down hard on the Pharisees and the experts of the law for religious hypocrisy because they were the ones who kind of positioned themselves to the people and even perhaps to their own minds that they knew God and they represented God. But the way they related to people, the way they lived their lives, the way they looked down on those uh, who could not live in the same way that they did, the way they were exacting about external actions but could not care less about more serious matters like justice, like mercy, like love of God, not only put heavy burdens on those they led, but it prevented them from drawing near to God. This week's text, Jesus continues with this whole subject of hypocrisy a little bit, kind of like a wrap-up to what he had been saying to his disciples. And then he talks about fear. If you remember the background to all this is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. This is his final journey. He would never be going back to Galilee, to his hometown, to Capernaum, no more. And the people in the places that he travels through hear of him, they gather. It is Passover time. And so they also begin to make their journey to Jerusalem. And as he moves towards Jerusalem, the crowds join them and the crowds gather <clears throat> to hear him. And some people uh, are curious, who is this rabbi who has been upsetting the authorities? That's putting it mildly. And there were others who were hinting, this could be God's Messiah. And so as they move along, Jesus uses the various occasions to teach his disciples. He is preparing them on matters of God's kingdom as well as for the time when he will leave them. And so what he is saying as a kind of commentary on what had happened earlier at the Pharisee's house is that hypocrisy ultimately spells failure. We said last week, Chambers Dictionary defines hypocrisy as the act of pretending to have feelings, beliefs, or principles which one does not actually have. Uh, that's the slide before this. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the next slide. Thanks. What is outward, what we see outwardly is not in sync with what is inside the person, what is inward. And a hypocrite is someone who projects an image 
of himself or herself which is not true to what is in his or her heart, whether it's to do with emotions or beliefs or values. And Jesus uses yeast to give a picture of how hypocrisy works. Yeast is something that we mix into dough if we are making bread, or we put into malt grain if we want to make beer. And once the yeast is mixed in, you don't see it anymore. All you see is the dough, all you see is the grain, but if the yeast is active, not dead, it will do its work. And eventually, you will see the dough rising. You will see the malt turning, being fermented into beer. The effects will only be seen after some time. It's not evident immediately. You, you have to wait for a while. And hypocrisy works like that. In the beginning, it all looks good. Like the Pharisees and their actions, they were pious and they were able to mask what is in the heart. And a hypocrite does this and does this well. And there are times when we can fall into this as well. But the deceit and hypocrisy will work and its effects will one day be seen. <clears throat> like the neglect of justice and love of God and very prideful looking down on others <clears throat> in the Pharisees. <clears throat> the yeast of hypocrisy does not just affect that one person who practices it. It infects the community too. And so, just like the experts of the law, they put so many rules and laws on people, but they do not do anything to help them carry the burden or ease the load. It affects those around that person. People are made to feel inferior or second class because they cannot live up to that demand where in fact God has not demanded that kind of thing in the first place. But that mask of piousness will fall one day and people will see the hardness of heart the prejudice, the meanness, the injustice. When crowds gather, when one becomes popular, falling into temptation, being tempted to be a hypocrite is all the greater. And very often, given our society, given our culture, it is about appearances. You know, when it seems an age ago, when I was applying for a job and reading up on things like that, uh, one of the things that said is you make the first impression, a lasting impression within the first 30 seconds. You have 30 seconds to make your impression, do your pitch, and that will last. 
And very often in 30 seconds, what do you see? It is the external. One only sees the heart over an extended period of time. And so the pressure, especially nowadays, is all about how we look and how we perform very external things. How many of us uh, know the names Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker? Some of us do. They were both tele-evangelists which, with large, large followings across America. Then Jim Baker got caught in a sexual scandal with his secretary. He got caught in financial scandals, siphoning off money from his ministry for his own use. Despite all the glamour and all the things he said, he spent time in prison. Jim, Jimmy Swaggart denounced Jim Baker, but a year later, he himself was caught in a sexual scandal. Not the first, but a couple of years later, he got himself embroiled in another sexual scandal. Being upfront, it is so easy to want to keep up appearances. And you and I may be familiar with what has happened to a church leader down south as well. Outwardly, they present lives that seem godly, but inwardly, the yeast of hypocrisy worked its way and their ministries suffered. In the message version of the Bible, the paraphrase, Jesus says this, you can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. And often, it is those who speak the loudest with the most authoritative voices that seem to show power over the others, like the Pharisees and the experts in the law. And more often than not, they are the ones who define what it takes to be accepted. All of us, every one of us, have a need to be accepted. No one is exempted from that, whether it is us accepting ourselves or to belong to a community. It is a powerful thing because being accepted and belonging to a community kind of helps us to identify ourselves. It gives us a certain identity, and identity, who we are, gives meaning to our lives. Knowing who we are gives us self-esteem, enables us to live freely. Freedom is, in this case, is not any to do anything and everything we please, but the freedom to live in ways that will help us to be fully human, the freedom to live well. And so, to be accepted in Jesus' time, 
was to submit to what was laid down by the experts in the law. They were the ones who studied the law. After all, they knew what God required. That's what everybody thought. And if they were to judge the one that was not following the law, that person would be condemned. Jesus was at this time preparing his disciples. They would face hostility simply for being followers of Jesus Christ. They would be persecuted because they would not be thinking the same way as the experts in the law and the Pharisees or practicing uh, life in the kingdom in the way that they defined it. And the thing is, Jesus is now telling them, look, yes, they can pronounce whatever judgment they want, they can condemn you, but the furthest they can go is probably beat you up and harm your body. But it is your soul that will continue on after your body dies. And there is one who can destroy even that. And that's the one to fear. Not the experts in the law who can simply condemn you and maybe have you beaten 